Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 519. I'm calling Lynn Manuel right now. We've got, uh, well, we've got some Hamilton references for you. We've got some jokes and we've got some wonderful content for your classroom. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean Berger. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. And we we may have a special guest today because I have Hazel with me. So Hazel is our new puppy. So there is the possibility of a special appearance, but we'll see. Hey, uh, you know, security concerns are always a a thing. We changed all of our passwords to Kenny. You did? Yeah. As a result, everyone has Kenny logins. Ooh. Imagine the royalties on that one. (laughs) Yeah, right into the danger zone. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be footloose with those uh, passwords. That's right. That's right. That's right. You're you super know, secure going into the danger zone. That's right. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Okay. Um, You've reached the limits of my uh, my Kenny Loggins. <laughs> um, archaeologists have discovered a series of short stories that stress the importance of punctuality. Really? Yeah, they're called ASAP, A-S-A-P, Fables. Ah. ASAP. All right. Uh, You know, what do you think of when you think of the 80s? Well, I think of big hair. Big, big hair. hair. Yeah, I think of a boombox. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's just a stereotype. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um... I may never get over my addiction to referencing the Beach Boys, but wouldn't it be nice? Uh, Pre means before. Post means after. uh Using them together would be preposterous. Oh, they get you coming and going on that joke. (laughs) Uh, I do have a friend who never finishes everything. Oh. Never finishes anything. Never finishes yeah. anything. Yeah. He has a black belt in partial arts. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I have another friend who claims that he can communicate with vegetables. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Jack in the beans talk. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got some visual jokes for you um, this week as well. Um, a whole variety of them. Um, including, uh, we missed Pirates, uh, National Talk of the Pirate Day. Yeah, it was a good week ago. It was on I, a I Sunday. I apologize. I think that one was my fault that we missed that one. I mean, things going on. So, okay. but uh, I do have uh, a pirate joke, a visual pirate joke as well in there. So, you know, it's kind of creative. And we know creativity is important. Mm-hmm. And it's important in every classroom, correct? Oh, yes. I would say creativity is very important in every classroom, especially the science classroom. Yes. I would agree. And um, not only would I agree, but also the wonderful Dave Bidlowski would agree as Mm -hmm. well. And in fact, this week's Middle School Science Minute is all about creativity in the science classroom. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Mm. Dave Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the September-October 2021 issue of Science Scope, a magazine for middle school science teachers published by the National Science Teaching Association. And I was reading From the Editor's Desk, written by Patty McGinnis, the editor of Science Scope. And she wrote an article entitled Creativity in the Science Classroom. And she wrote that 
Although creativity is often associated with the arts, it plays an integral part in science, as science is a creative quest where scientists ask questions for which they don't already know the answer. In their daily work, scientists and engineers work to investigate and solve problems by generating and connecting ideas. In classrooms, that focus on vocabulary and concepts, we may inadvertently send the message that creativity has no role in science. Students learn science and use critical and creative thinking by doing science. Rather than focusing on memorizing facts, they are engaged in application in which they apply content knowledge to real-world situations. This requires us to be risk-takers who are both courageous and creative in our teaching approaches. Courageous because the next generation science standards requires us to put aside teacher-directed lessons and labs where the outcome is predetermined. Creative because we need to scaffold student learning in such a way that our students begin to take responsibility for their own learning. In doing so, they replicate the work of real-world scientists and learn to take risks as they think creatively and critically. This is the very essence of how science works. Scientists and engineers rely on human qualities such as persistence, precision, reasoning, logic, imagination, and creativity. The inclusion of engineering in the standards provides our students with tremendous opportunities for applying creative thinking as they develop models and test, revise, and retest those models. In addition, our students' brain development is at a pivotal point as unused neural pathways are pruned during adolescence. The incorporation of creative thinking can help our students to develop new neural pathways as they make connections between concepts and dream up solutions to problems. What can you do to promote creative thinking in your classroom? Consider a project-based learning approach and involve your students in competitions, science fairs, and engineering tasks. Connect them to working scientists. Engage them with robotics. Above all, let them see you struggle with failure because failure plays an important role in the engineering and design process. For it is failure that catalyzes us to analyze, refine, invent, and apply creative approaches and models for solving problems. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. All right, so Dave does such a wonderful job. We appreciate all that he does, and that was, of course, very creative. Uh, creativity in the classroom right now is really important as well. So um, I've heard uh, on, on the Twitters this week um, and from people I've talked to, uh, it seems like I've heard the phrase, I am June tired. <laughs> And it's the end of September. Um, so I think a lot of teachers are, uh, they're feeling it right now. How are how are you doing there, Sean? Are you June tired? Yeah, I am. It's uh, Normally there's a, there's a, a fatigue factor at the beginning of the year. But that once you get the kids into a routine and once you get things established and, and everything starts rolling, then you can... It's like an airplane, right? It spends a lot of its fuel getting up to altitude, but then once it's at altitude, it just maintains and it doesn't have to spend a lot of a lot of fuel maintaining until it has to make adjustments and come down and that sort of thing. Well, um, I, based on the kids not having school for – my kids haven't had been in a school classroom till, since fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And so we're spending a lot of energy trying to get up to altitude – and then uh, events, things happen where you lose altitude and you have to fight to get back up to altitude again. And so it burns a lot of teacher fuel. Um, you know, and it's stuff that can't be avoided. Like, for example, the ISD decided that it was going to lock me out of my accounts. And I spent a week scrambling and changing the routine. And now I'm going to spend a lot of time 
reestablishing classroom routines and getting them back into because I do some scaffolded or some uh, uh, space to practice stuff at the beginning of the hours. And I'm going to have to reteach that because we've had a week where we didn't do that because I couldn't get into accounts and whatnot. And the kids are thinking, okay, well, this is the new norm, and I'll just do it this way from now on. So now we've got to burn some time, fuel, energy, and reestablishing things. And that happens, and it's not just technology. I mean, it happens, you know, homecoming week is coming up. That's going to throw things off, you know. So there's there's always that that stuff that's coming up. Yes, I would say, yes, I sat down in the chair uh, yesterday, and you know, yesterday was an easy day, um, and I just I, I fell asleep for an hour just sitting in the chair um, after dinner. Yeah, and and I am just going to say at this point that we've been working on a microphone issue with Sean, and we're trying to fix it. So if it comes out kind of low, uh, I apologize. We are going to try to we'll try to see what we can do about that, but um, it's just a, a challenge with technology sometimes. So homecoming, are your are you having an in person homecoming dance? Um, I would have to break several laws of physics in order to dance. Um, that's a homecoming joke. Are the kids, uh, are the we kids are not coming having, in person? Kids are not coming in person. They're coming in person to the game. Um, they're holding homecoming outdoors at a park. And so, yes, I don't know if there's going to be dancing or whatnot. I don't know that at all. I doubt it. I think it's just going to be like a homecoming party. I don't know the details because our middle school kids don't attend homecoming. And uh, it's a high school. Um, yeah. yeah the, the dance thing is a high school event thing. Um, but our kids are going to march in the parade and go to the game. And so it would be nice to have the parade again and go to the game and um, – you know, as far as that goes, giving him some sense of normalcy. Um, we'll see. That's a good question. I, I, I just, you know, I yeah. don't, I don't know. So the the that whole um, process has been fascinating. I have been. Um, reading in the newspapers and and around me locally to me there was one of the school districts canceled they are having the homecoming game but they had canceled the homecoming dance so the parents decided that the kids needed a dance and their the parents are putting together a homecoming dance which is kind of an interesting process as well um one of the things that you know comes up potentially from that is there's also been lots of places that are going back to remote learning either for a week or two weeks or and I saw Minnesota was going back to remote learning um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you've planned for that and how you've planned for that uh, uh, you know, on a on an individual level, uh, put you on the spot here. So, have you okay. planned? Have you thought about Jiminy Crickets? What is there? Uh, is there a possibility that the district's going to say, "Yeah, nope, the kids are going to go all remote again"? I've thought about it, but I don't think we're going to do it. Um, largely because uh, my kids don't go anywhere and see other people much. So it, what we ever, we ha we're pretty, pretty well insulated in the district that I'm in. I've thought about it. I, uh, this is where I'm going to plug Moodle like crazy because Moodle has been a lifesaver. Mm -hmm. uh, this is also where I'm going to say, uh, and probably leads into one of the other things you've got listed on the, uh, report from the front lines is that, um, uh, technology is great till it doesn't work. Right. If your ISD decides to lock you out of your accounts, <laughs> <laughs> you're in a world of hurt, right? And um, I, I'm prepared so long as a unforeseen event doesn't <laughs> happen, like some sort of disaster doesn't happen, then, right. then I'm good. And Moodle, Moodle's going to be my go-to, right? And I've already got things set up in there. There's some things I need to refine, things that I learned throughout the year by doing it. But it's going to be a whole lot easier than it is it was when um, you know I did it the first time. 
but yeah, no, I've, I've, my, I'm prepped and ready to go. Matter of fact, um, I'm trying to use the things that I built for last year's uh, classes in as a hybrid situation, in a technology, teaching with technology hybrid-wise in my classroom this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm liking having the resources there uh, and, and ready to go. And the kids like having the reliability of the things there. And they like the organization. It's organized. It's ready to go. They understand it. Um, some of them do because they did it last year with a sixth grade teacher who does a phenomenal job with it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready. To, I feel confident. I could step into a remote teaching situation tomorrow and be good to go. Um, I think most of our teachers are now too feel that way. Uh, they're going to work a lot harder than I will, but that's because they don't use Moodle. Yeah. And I wonder, I know everybody is hoping that they don't have to do remote learning again. And I think when I say everyone, I think just about everyone, um, parents, administrators, teachers, kids, uh, I think everybody's hoping we don't. But I just wonder how much planning people are doing or preparation people are doing. Um, and I do think in, in a, and, um, I hope you don't mind if I share about what I'm about to share. If I do, you cut it out of the show before we post it. Um, you you actually have sub plans, and because you're going to be out for a day coming up, and you yeah. were able to use uh, something that you'd done previously as your sub right. plan. Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. So I I'm, I'm going to be out um, and. We suffer from a lack of subs, just like districts all across the United States. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think just before the show, I noticed that uh, uh, Secretary of Education Mayorkas has issued a call for uh, the states to fix the lack of subs and the lack of teacher prep as a uh, find a solution to that problem because uh, there's a huge dearth. Uh, and I was talking with, uh, about this with somebody, and I can't. It was in in the office. It was earlier this week, and some of the office looked at me and they said, "Well, who would want this job?" <laughs> They're talking about being, being a sub, and I thought, if that's the common attitude towards the job, then yes, you're right. Yeah, right. who would want this? And that means we've we've got to do something to to change that um, that attitude towards the position. So. Um, yeah, no, we, and, and the other thing is that the ones we get aren't teachers. They, and they, they didn't want to go into teaching and they just, they're doing this cause you know, Hey, it's 80 bucks. And, um, so I'm trying to make this as self-contained as possible. Plus mm-hmm. I like the fact that if I use Moodle, I can give the students self-correcting things to do. Right. And I can. I can send them because with a sub, they'll just look at the uh, paper and go, sure, I read that. Just give me the questions. I'll just answer the questions. I don't care if I get them right. I just have to finish the questions because that's what the sub is going to say. Finish the right. questions. Right, right. You know, and and um, this says yeah, it's not about finishing the questions. If you're wrong, I'm going to send you back and you right. have to go do it again. I'm going to keep doing this until you get it right. And um and that's where I'm going to be using, I'm going to go in today and I'm going to add some more questions because then I'm going to use a cluster or a bank. So the kid might answer it and think, oh, the answer was A this time. <laughs> I'll get him. And they go back and the second time they get a question, it's like, wait a minute. That wasn't what it was last time. That's not the What's same question. Doing? Yeah. So I'm planning on doing that. That and I like putting in little gifts from Giphy. Uh, you know, they get it right, they get a woohoo, and if they get it wrong, it's like, no, 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 go try again. And then one of them, when they get it wrong, I'm going to rickroll them and just send them back to the beginning. There you go. Yep. And so I'm, and I'm going to hear about that on Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in there. And, and one of the neat things for me is that it's a continuation of the curriculum and what you want kids to know and be able to do. Right, because the the question with when so, when the teacher's out is what can the kids do? Is it going to be something that's going to be different, or is it going to be a continuation 
of the learning process. Um, because, you know, a lot of times you never know who the sub is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be someone who's, you know, really good and prepared, if it's going to be someone who's just showing up because it's X number of dollars and, you know, they don't, they're not going to really do much. Is it going to be one of your teammates? Because <laughs> a, a lot of times it's, you know, there is nobody. So they're, you know, you're pulling somebody either, uh, you know, a teacher on prep or um, a teacher who has some other assignment or, um, you know, something. So, and the question becomes, is it something self-contained? Um, i.e. that doesn't have to do with the flow that you're trying to get kids? Or is it something that is some that is a continuation of the learning that builds on what kids are doing? And by doing it the way that you're doing it, it allows for kids to still be responsible for what it is that they're supposed to be learning and what it is you want them to learn and to show that they know how to do. And the way that you've done it, um, the the computer has an infinite amount of patience, right? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> It'll just, it, it, it has no dog in this hunt, so to speak. It will, it doesn't care. It will just say, nope, that's not right. Do it again. And <laughs> Um, the computer will definitely outweigh the kid on that one, <laughs> right? Uh, yes. The, the, the kids can get it wrong and wrong and wrong. Um, and it does give kids a chance to do that. So, um, by the way, one mm -hmm. of the things that I need to play with a little bit more is mm -hmm. there are self-correcting quote with air quotes here. Um, yeah. Essays. So you can give automatic feedback on essays. Yeah. Within Moodle. And what it's doing that. is it's looking for words and whether the kids use right. words or phrases. So it's not like high level stuff. But even that is kind of interesting. And I'd like to play around with that a little bit as well. So, um, but again, I'm, I'm fascinated because the sub plan, the sub issue is something that is, going on kind of um, nationwide right now. And it's always been an issue because you never, you know, there's really good subs and there's subs that aren't so good. And you frequently you didn't know what you were getting unless you could make arrangements beforehand, uh, obviously. <laughs> but um, there's some things, there's some tools now where you can have more control over that and what that's going to be like. So um, I think that what you're doing helps kids out and that's that's what we should be about is helping the kids out and then the other thing that you know we talked a little bit about this beforehand is because um, you did get locked out right of yes being able to do something and, <laughs> and that's because apparently it's because you were in a different ou you yes and in, in ou for for um those who are not familiar with um, the way some of the back-end processes work. And OU is an organizational unit, and that's how you normally control what permission somebody has. So you put them in an OU, an organizational unit, and you are in a special. You are special. Yes. Yes. Protected You did not want to be special in this case. No, though. I was... I was protected. I don't know if I was being protected from myself. I don't know if I was being protected from someone else or if everybody else was being protected from me. All I know is that I was in a protected group. And it, it worked. I was protected from getting into my own accounts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you and and the that brings really for me it brings in the importance of uh, of document documenting and documentation that uh, you know you were in a kind of a rough position for several days because somebody just didn't document something correctly from, um, from Friday and to I'm Thursday. sure that when somebody yes. did it they knew why there was a re there's a reason why you were put in that group right. Um, but probably but whoever did it is no longer in that position. So 
they took that knowledge with them. So, well, um, the irony is that the person who did it is still in district, just in a different position. Okay. But it was so long ago that, you know. Right. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the institutional knowledge is still there. So, and, and this also brings, to me, this brings in some of the core competencies, like what do people know and what can people do? And one of the conversations that um, I've been having both uh, personally and remotely and synchronously and asynchronously and all that good stuff is what are those core competencies? What is it that teachers should be able to do at this point? Um, technology is really kind of a normal part of our life right now, and especially given um, given that we've all gone through, most of us have gone through remote learning for the last year, year and a half, and all of that. What is it that teachers should be able to do? Um, what is it we should be able to assume rightly that people can do? And um, it's been it's been interesting having some of those conversations because uh, there's things I think we take for granted. And I know in technology, as you know, tech people, there's things that we presuppose everyone should know. And I don't know that we're always at that point. It's one of the things I try hard not to do. I try hard to find out what somebody knows without assuming what they know um, because everybody's a different part of their journey but um, but it's one of those things that I'm thinking of and I thought a lot about I was talking to somebody and I brought pivot tables and like I'm good with Excel and so we were talking and I brought pivot tables and like I'm good with Excel but I've never done no pivot tables and I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition because what does good with Excel mean? Pivot tables are pretty, pretty basic. It should be a basic skill, right? So you're talking to a guy who doesn't do Excel right. at all, right? ever. Right. And when I think pivot tables, I'm thinking this is something that, you know, is a physical table and right. pivot it. You know. And and to be fair, I don't know that – I don't think I would expect everybody to know how to do pivot tables, right? I don't mm -hmm. think that that's like right. – I, I don't I, – I, I'm not like, yeah, this should be a core competency. Everybody should know how to do pivot tables. But I think everybody should know what a spreadsheet is and like what a spreadsheet kind of does. But if you say that you are good with Excel, I would expect that you know how to do pivot tables, right? Because if you're saying you're good with Excel, I would think that pivot tables would be on the basic list of being good with Excel. Sure, so, I'll say that. So, the, but those are questions that you know I, that I, that I have, and then it's like, what should we what should we be able to know teachers to expect and be able to do? And I don't know if we can, I think that that would help tremendously in building some of those higher skills, those higher level skills of using technologies with kids is, look, here's a baseline. Let's get to the baseline so that teachers do understand how to use the technology with kids to help kids. I know I didn't say that well. But um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's almost like we should have like technology standards. We, well, we do have ISTE technology standards. standards. I know I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. And I know you know that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. And, and, and yeah, it, it, I agree. I think uh, something that's accelerated that. I think there's two things, two observations that I've, I've noticed. Uh, two, one of the things is that I think we've accelerated the need for having a structured knowledge having kids having a structured knowledge because otherwise it's been you know functional right I just, i'm only going to learn i want to learn how to do this because i needed to play a game or i needed to do something that they wanted to do and school work is not necessarily one of those things um like a, you know using a spreadsheet to to create stuff and do stuff for example the other thing i noticed is that even with students and teachers 
what they know technologically and the capability of technology is a vast minefield. And where you stepped yesterday and it was okay may be completely different than where you stepped today in that same spot. You know, it, now all of a sudden it may blow up in your face. So I'm not sure that it's uh, – I think it's more like waves on the ocean than it is um, rolling hills on the countryside. Well – It's not even a good metaphor, but – yeah, no, and and you know to talk about the ISTE standards. The ISTE standards are not. I, I can write an email, or I can filter You're right. email. You're right. Right. ISTE yes. standards are are you know about being a digital learner, about being a leader, about being a digital citizen, about collaboration yep. and design and facilitation and analyst, and. There's some underlying presumptions that you have to know how to do to do those things. And and it's not like I want to completely focus on, you know, which buttons to push. But I also think that if you don't know how to do some of the button pushing, it makes it really hard to be a good digital citizen. If you, you know, you don't know how to, to do some of these protections or to be a collaboration collaborator, if you don't know functionally how to do collaboration, you know, if you don't know how the, some of the tools work. So it's an interesting balance for me that I'm trying to work through um, and trying to understand where we need to help people and what we need to build off of there as well. Because I think we're making lots of assumptions and some of those assumptions I think are getting in the way um, of helping people move forward. So, Oh, I agree. You know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's where I am. I mean, it's one of the places that I'm at right now is, you know, there's, I always talk about technology as a journey that it, and it's a, you know, cause it changes regularly. Technology itself changes. So where we're going changes and where people are on that journey is, you know, important and helping them move from where they are to where we want people to be is important as well. So, so I've been working, I've been thinking about that and having some conversations about that as well. So one of the other things I'm thinking about is the Twitterverse and what's Are going on not? in the Twitterverse. Well, there's a couple of things going on. Um, Steve Chiswick at S. Chiswick, uh, October is National Principles Month. And it is an absolute privilege to work with this team of outstanding elementary principals. Our HVS family is very fortunate to have each and every one of you in the front lines of every day. It's nice of him to mention this team there. So, uh, you know, there are, there are administrators who listen to middle school matters. And so, you know, uh, kudos to them. And thank you for doing those, uh, those administrative jobs. And happy October National Principals Month. Uh, Russell Stannard at Russell 1955. Where can you get or find free images for your website or just free images in general? Well, I tell you what, you can use the link that we put in the uh, in the show notes there and uh, you can go get yourself some free free images that ran across that because I'm putting together that lesson in Moodle and I want some free images that I can use in that lesson for my students. I thought this was we interesting, Doctor. Yeah, and well, in I'm sorry, but images. This nope, is one of the things good. that I think is more important that people realize. There are now groups. There's a, a couple of businesses that are mm -hmm. essentially constantly searching the web, trying to find copyrighted material that's being used in other places. Um, and then they helpfully send you a bill. And the business model oh, is they get a cut that's so nice. of whatever mm -hmm. it is that, that, that they find. So if they find a copyrighted image, you know, it's kind of a, quote, win-win because, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, they get 30% or whatever. And the originator of the – the owner of the copyright gets 70%. But it means that the copyright people don't – people have things that are copyrighted don't have to do the work of checking to see if their copyright is being respected. Um, and this is hitting some schools as well uh, from what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, they've used some copyrighted images, not thinking about it and um, they got a bill. 
Like, I don't want to mm. pay the bill. <laughs> like, oh, too bad. <laughs> so that is something that is important, is all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, no, no, hugely, yes. Yeah, I threw it in there simply because the uh, I, I don't want folks to get in trouble with it. Plus, you know, kids, they just go grab images, throw them in all kinds of places. And if we get a chance to teach them now about this, then... And we have talked in previous shows about some of the sites that um, mm -hmm. that you can use that are classroom appropriate and free to use as well. Yep. So. Yep. Well, Dr. Joanne Freeman, she's a professor of history, and she does a number of uh, wonderful different things. She's also a huge Hamilton fan. If you like the Hamilton uh, musical. She was consulted on some of the history side of it. Um, she'll also be the first to tell you that the musical is not history, so don't like go there for a history lesson. Um, Dr. Wait, John Freeman. Wait, what? Yeah. The musical is not completely accurate to history? That's her words, yes. Wow. I am blown away by the fact that the entertainment version of Hamilton is not exactly honoring exactly everything that happened in history. <laughs> oh, yes. the um, Yes, yes. I think you should file a complaint with uh, Lynn <laughs> Miranda himself. I am, I am calling Lynn right now. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I see your phone. How did you get his phone number on speed dial? <laughs> well, while you're talking to him, um, let me mention that uh, Dr. Freeman uh, posted, next week I have my first in-person lecture, not a, not a public event, since February 2020. And it feels weird. Good, but weird. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, the, that's part of that whole new, not new, part of the reestablishing what a school culture is. Um, I think we're going to feel that coming up here uh, this year. I know I felt it. It's been. It's, I, I trust me. I'd rather have my students in front of me than than not. Um, but it is a weird feeling to have so many there, and you go, "Oh, it's so good to see you, even if it's only half your face." So, Doctor Young Zhao, Young Zhao PhD or FID at Young Zhao Ed. Tomorrow, which would be today, uh, from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern, he's doing a, a, a live uh, chat with uh, The Education We Need, a conversation with a number of people hosted by Ted Dintersmith. And Dr. Zhao has always got interesting stuff to say, so I wanted to throw that in there. It's episode 77 of uh, Silver Lining uh, for Learning. Um, so that's something you might want to check out as part of your PD. Personal PD, fixing education at fixing education. In education, it's especially important to distance yourself from people who have a problem for every solution. And that's good advice, especially as we're heading, heading into a year with probably a lot of different problems. Uh, David Gurren, stronger relationships equal stronger schools. Maybe you can help someone answer one of these questions today. So here's a series of questions that uh, he suggests using, um, like, on your students and things. Not all of them all at the same time. But uh, number one is, am I important to someone here? Think about that as you uh, go on. But also ask one of the students, hey, you know, keep, just remember, you're important to someone here. Think about who that might be. Uh, number two is, do I belong here? And, um, you know. That's a question you would ask yourself, I think. Number three, am I good at something here? And that's something that is a good student reflection. Find something that you're good at. It doesn't have to be everything. Find one thing. Who will listen to me here and is my presentation here? I'm sorry, is my presence here ma uh, making a difference? Motivational things uh, for kids to think about. Something that's also motivational and to think about is hashtag MS Chat every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as Troy says, the Twitter never stops. It does not. And we don't stop with resources for you either. Um, so you brought up the idea of free resources, free images, and making sure that you're using free images. 
Yes. There is one of the of the resources I came across this this week was free3dicon.com. So these are free 3D icons that you can use in your project. Um, there are also paid versions of the icons if you want. Um, you know, if you want to pay for it. But basically the free version, you get two PNG files, one shadowed and one without. Um, and they're in high resolution. You don't need to specify the author. And you can use this these in your next um, project. And the, the, the thing here is that um, high quality images make a difference. They make a difference for kids. They make a difference if you're doing PD, you know, high quality images make more of a difference. Um, and so they have a bunch of icons here. Um, you can browse them. They have the, the infinite scroll thing going on as well where you know um you can you can take a look at uh, at these um so it's just uh an additional um resource that you can use to um to pop into your um your next um uh, you know, the next time you're creating online resources. Uh, and again, they're free, so you can use them. You don't have to worry about uh, anything, any kind of um, uh, referencing back to them as well. So, so you have that. There is also um, a, a post by the Washington Post um, and I thought this was kind of interesting, and this is something that you might want to take a look at. You may end up wanting to share with um, with parents and family and um, community members. And this is preteen with anxiety and ADHD takes frustrations out on family. And this is kind of you know um, has starts with the question of. Do you have any recommendations for discipline strategies for a preteen with anxiety and ADHD? Home mm -hmm. seems to be the dumping ground for all of our preteen school angst. I try balancing understanding and a little bit of flexibility against boundaries that you can't treat your family badly. I'm wondering if there's any specific books that would give me a roadmap. Um, and so these are some tips that that parents can use to help deal with uh, some of those issues and some of those frustrations of, uh, of what's going on at home. I think one of the real important things here is um, they note that ADHD is not a behavior disorder. It's a neurological disorder. It is not a willpower issue. Because a lot of times, um, you know, people think... Um, those with ADHD, if they would just try harder, and it's not really a willpower issue. So um, I just thought this could be useful for uh, parents and helping them with struggles as well. So um, I will uh, get that in there as well. Um, and um, let's see, we also have uh, the um the uh American Indian removal which I thought was a um uh, kind of an interesting interesting title in and of itself um but uh this is uh um I have something out of order here so I apologize for that and get that fixed um this is uh, from Native Knowledge 360, 360 degree. Um, and this is from the Smithsonian, the National Museum of American Indian um, part here. Um, mm -hmm. There are several different sections uh, as well. Um, but uh, I'm going to focus on the American Indian removal. What does it mean to remove a people? And it's neat. They have lesson information. They have essential understandings and academic standards. 
Uh, is this a resource that you've used before, Sean? Not this one, but I, I threw in the show notes something that I have used when I when I taught my EOS history class is there's a wonderful primary source guide out at the Library of Congress. Wonderful primary sources for kids to use or for you to use with the kids um, and have them almost go hands-on. But it gets them right into um, some of the stuff like, for example, you know, what made the Cherokee different than um, – everybody else and and you know what was the supreme court ruling you know what was andrew jackson's what made him say yeah um fine when they get an army they can you know do it and if you know what you might know what i'm talking about on that mm-hmm. last phrase but there's so the kids actually handle i want to say handle metaphorically let's use air quotes handle some of these things and get a chance to see it firsthand it's yeah so there's a I threw it in there as a, a in addition to yours. I hope you don't mind. Um, no. But I, I loved that primary source collection that they've already put together for you. It makes it a lot easier than to use it um, with something else like this. Yeah, and there are several sections with um, the Native Knowledge 360. Um, there is the removal, Does It Make Sense?, which is teacher instructions and student instructions. They have an introductory video, opposing perspectives, um, the removal map, a historian's perspective. Um, They have how did the Cherokee Nation resist removal? Um, And again, teacher instruction, student instructions, and view the stories. So there's a a lot of resources there to um, help you out with it. Um, And you you might want to say that, um, I don't know. Um, you have a, an additional resource here with um, monsters and Monster Month. Yeah, so Chad Fry, he's an illustrator. Uh, if you've seen Lion King or if you've seen a number of Disney movies, uh, if you've seen the Little Ponies movie that came out, Chad Fry. If you've seen, uh, if you've ever seen Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Chad Fry. Chad okay. Fry. Wrote a number of those stories, drew the images. All right, so he's an illustrator. Um, and Chad Fry, the illustration guy, uh, in the month of October, always does a different monster a day for the entire month of October, culminating in Halloween where he does his big monster. And um, some wonderful graphics. Go over, take a look at it. Um, his monsters are always uh, kid-friendly. Um, they're colorful. They're ingenious. uh he does some wonderful stuff. So if you're interested in grabbing some things, you know, he puts them out there for you to just grab and use. He does. He has a Facebook page where he posts these things. I put the Facebook link in. He also has a uh, uh, several web pages, and you can you can find him. Chad Fry is spelled F R Y E. Um, he does some wonderful work. And he's a super nice guy. It's interesting that um, he does that on Facebook. He does have a. Um, he does have a website as well. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering why he does that part on Facebook, and it is—I I really am wondering, like, why on Facebook rather than does he just find more? I don't know. I don't know. He was also the chair of the uh, West Coast Illustrators uh, Association. I'm probably saying that wrong, um, but he—he's um, done that. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Matt Diffie who is mm-hmm. a cartoonist for the uh, New Yorker. Um, they were classmates in college. And, um, you know, they, uh, I don't want to say they bounce off each other, but they're they're contemporaries, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But they're both part of the same organization. And and Matt Diffie, if you follow his blog, uh, he was doing, I don't know, I haven't seen it recently, but uh, if you follow his blog and you put in your address and other stuff, then he'll send you one of his uh Cartoons that got rejected from the New Yorker, <laughs> and it comes on a nice little uh, card, and yeah, comes with directions on how to frame it and mount it. And so these guys have been, you know, generous with their work and putting it out there for people to enjoy. And I thought, you know, if you're looking for stuff this month, you know, here's a chance to you're looking for stuff to just, you know, spice up October. This would be something to do that with. That's pretty awesome. And if you're spicing up October, you want to make sure that your vocabulary is up to date oh, as well. Definitely. 
Definitely. Um, so slang of the week from Axis, uh, the culture translator. We've got several because we, we missed a few weeks. Um, we got big yikes. I think, did we talk about big yikes last week? Big I can't yikes. remember. Big yikes. When you take, uh, take something well-intentioned just a little bit too far. Ugh, big yikes. Um, soft launch. We, I think we did uh, when posting pictures of a budding romance, but nothing definitive. Say there's a relationship between two people. Um, yeah. Um, that's that's a soft launch. So uh, Thursday at the soccer game, uh, there was a girl who was um, um, harassing. Let's just call it what it is: harassing this poor kid, this poor boy. And um, he, to avoid her, he came over and stood by me. I don't know this kid, right? And all of a sudden, he's standing next to me. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and uh, it, it worked because she left him alone for a while. Um, but it was, uh, it was she was looking for a soft launch. She was, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, Third World refers to a TikTok challenge that uses the song Third World Free Bosky Turned Up. Um, I'm not familiar with the music. That's uh, Troy covers the music department here at, uh, at uh, Middle School Matters. While recording a video set to the song, users simply pass the video to a friend every time the words Third World are repeated. So that's where that comes from. So some slang of the week. Uh, just uh, some other notes from from Axis. TikTok hits one billion users. I think we did talk about gamers have replaced traditional celebrities, and um, toxicity levels on Facebook and Instagram are through the roof. And Facebook knows it, and that's their next uh, spin move. I think when it comes to uh, comes to um, their political uh, or that political their uh, public relations. Uh, moves. They have so, just yeah. um, announced they are putting on hold the Facebook for kids. Yeah, I think the, that's a smart the, move. <laughs> the Instagram for kids. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it um, turns out it's not necessarily as healthy as uh, everybody thought. And their PR position is that 11 of 12 uh, metrics were positive. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, yay. All right. All right. Well, one thing that is positive, though, is heading over to middleschoolmatters.com. There's plenty of links there. There are links to the show. There are additional jokes and visual jokes that you can check out while you're over there. Um, and, of course, there is a link to um, email us or call us. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. Give us a five-star rating if your podcatcher allows you to give ratings. And tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Wow. Um, we would greatly, greatly appreciate that. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care.